1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 9. Boy, in the first three words, it's worth saying amen to. God is faithful. You can say amen right there. Isn't he faithful? God is faithful by whom ye were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there were contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus of Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. Turn, look, look down with me in verse number 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Come down to verse number 23 with me. But we preach Christ crucified. That's another, we can stop and just say amen right there. But we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 18 with me. Would you do that for just a moment? Acts chapter number 18. Hold your place in 1 Corinthians. Paul is the author of the book of 1 Corinthians. And he's writing to the church. Now, some epistles Paul is writing, he writes to an individual. We studied 1 Timothy. Paul is writing to Timothy, his, his, his young man that he has trained up in the faith. And Paul writes to Titus and Paul writes to Philemon. But then there are other books of the Bible that Paul is writing, not just, just individuals, but he's writing them to the church. If you were to read the first couple verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you'd find where Paul says that he is writing to the church that is in Corinth. He's writing to them, and, and, uh, and as I was studying through this, I wanted to know where Paul was. How did he meet this church? How does he know these people? You know, when you receive a letter from someone, you, you, uh, if it's not from someone you know, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. If it's by, from someone that you know, it means more to you. Here, Paul, in, first, uh, in Acts chapter Number 18, would you, would you uh, look with me in verse number one? After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Now, Athens was the place, just a, a chapter previously, this was the place where there was an altar to the unknown God, and, and Paul boldly stood in Athens, and he preached about this unknown God. He preached about God who, from the, all the way back in the beginning, and then how he led his people out of bondage, and, and then Christ came, and he died for all mankind. Paul boldly preached. Could you imagine the, the, the zeal and the enthusiasm there was in the New Testament church? I mean, there were men that were boldly standing for the faith, even to the place where they may have been uh, persecuted and stoned and imprisoned. None of that mattered. Matter of fact, there were stories that, that they were in prison, and while they were in prison, they sang, and they sang so loud, the Lord sent an angel down and, and got him out of prison. 
I mean, the, the stories that happened in the book of Acts, the New Testament church. Paul leaves, leaves Athens and he comes to Corinth, the Bible tells us, in verse number two, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, uh, born in Pontus, it, uh, lately come from Italy which, uh, with his wife Priscilla. So he meets these two, uh, Aquila and Priscilla. They had to leave Italy. They had to leave Rome because they were uh, cast out of Rome because they were Jews. And, and they came to Corinth and, and Paul found them there. In verse number three, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and, and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And what's simply saying this, he had something in common with them. What was in common was this, that he, he was a tent maker by trade and they were tent makers by trade. And so because he had something in common with them, they came together and they worked together and that was what paid the bill so that, they, that, that Paul could preach the gospel. Go on with me, if you would, please, in verse number nine of the same chapter. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, be not afraid, but speak. Hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And look with me in verse number 11. He continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. And so we find that Paul, here in this missionary journey, he comes to Corinth. The Bible says that he stayed there for a year and six months. A year and a half, he preached. He'd go to the synagogues and he'd preach and, and the Jews would get upset with him. And so he said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shake this off and I'm going to go preach to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles received him and, and many were saved. And he started seeing this church grow, the church of Corinth. If we were to study all of this book, uh, this chapter of Acts, we would find some things that happened there in Corinth, and it was an exciting place. Paul was preaching the gospel, and because he was preaching gospel, the gospel, he was making noise in that city. Things were happening because there was a church in Corinth. Things should happen where there is a local New Testament church in that city. Things should happen. Now, not, not, not uh, maybe what we want would happen, but, but here things were happening. You know, matter of fact, if you were to study this, there was a fight that broke out. There was a fight that broke out because there was a church in Corinth. They hauled them off into the, uh, before the, the judgment seat there and, and they wanted something to happen because they thought they were preaching something false and simply what they were preaching was this, that Jesus Christ died and he rose again and that through Jesus Christ he offers eternal life and, and the Jews were upset with Paul because Paul was saying the law can't get you to heaven but Jesus Christ can. He preached he's the only way. In the church begin to grow. There's something exciting when the church begins to grow. Persecution came and it didn't stop the church. They were brought before the judgment seat there and it didn't stop the church. The Jews rejected what was being taught and it didn't stop the church. It continued to see people saved. It continued to grow. And matter of fact, Paul saw the value of staying there and he stayed in a year and a half preaching about God. 
Paul did is once they were saved, Paul then began to teach them how to live. Yes, he preached the salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ, but then he preached that after you're saved, there's a life that you're supposed to live. Sanctification. He preached how to be justified, then he preached how to live. And the reason why he was preaching how to live is he wanted those individuals that were saved to be able to be pleasing before the Lord, and he wanted the church to move forward. And so he stayed and he gave a year and a half of his life to this church. Now come back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Paul is writing to them. And as I read through this book, you know what we find that the church is not on fire like it was. Sin has infiltrated the church and people are living in sin. Paul is writing now this letter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians, and he's writing to them and he's trying to help them revive themselves and, and get revival once again and live a life pleasing the Lord. Do you know what happens a lot of times? When somebody first gets saved, there's a great excitement there, isn't there? Boy, I'm saved. I know what I'm saved from. I, I know the lifestyle that I was living and, and I, 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 know, I know that I was deep into sin and Jesus Christ, he found me and he saved me and he set my feet upon a solid rock. He gave me eternal life and praise God, I'm, I'm saved. I'm saved and I've got eternal life and I'm saved from the bondage of sin. I'm saved from what I used to do. No more guilt, no more shame, no more bondage to sin. I'm saved. Great excitement there. And then the Christian starts growing. Did you ever meet a Christian that's excited about what they learned in the Word of God? I talked to someone this morning on the way in, and, and she said, boy, I was so excited this morning in my devotional life. So excited. The Lord encouraged me as I read his Word this morning. I like getting those phone calls from people that, that are in the word of God and they're trying to make sense out of something and so they simply call and they'll say, what, what does this mean? Had lunch or, or, or breakfast uh, Friday with my wife and I and another uh, couple here in the church and, and he said, what does this verse mean? And I, and I explained what that verse meant and he said, ah, oh, I knew it. <laughs> I gotta change some things, I knew it. What he's saying is this, if the Bible says it, I got to do it. I want to grow. I want to get close to the Lord. I don't want to know something about the word of God and not do it. I want to grow. That's what Paul was teaching the church at Corinth how to grow. And then he leaves them for a time and he writes this epistle to them. The epistle says this, look with me again. He begins to talk about God's faithfulness in verse number nine. He says, God is faithful. He's reminding the church where their focus ought to be. Whenever we get our eyes off God, then problems always come. Don't forget that. And it's not just in a church environment, that's in your home environment, that's in your work environment, that's in your relationships, it's in your marriage, it's in every relationship and everything you do. When you get your eyes and your focus off God, 
you get your eyes and your focus on yourself. And Christians do it as well. And what Paul was doing here in verse number 9, he, he states the obvious, but he states something that I think the people here in the church in Corinth have forgotten, that God is faithful. He's faithful. He's there to meet every need. The Bible, matter of fact, says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If there's any time in our life that we need something, God is faithful. God was faithful to the Savage family this week as they, as they buried his mother. God was faithful. He said, how was God faithful? He lost someone he loved. He's faithful because he kept his word. In the moment his mother closed her eyes on this earth, she opened her eyes in eternity. Her salvation was, was real. Her salvation was eternal. There wasn't a time where salvation had failed. God was faithful to her. Angels escorted her from this earth into heaven. God is faithful. God was faithful to his family as the, as, the, as the word of God was used to minister. God gave hope and God gave grace and God gave mercy and God gave peace to all those that were there. He was faithful. I think of Pastor Oscar just a couple weeks ago. He, God was faithful to see him sitting up and eating chili on Friday afternoon. That, that was probably a good two weeks after he had quadruple bypass surgery, he's eating chili. Something's wrong with that guy. Something's wrong with him. And Zeta's just shaking her head. God's faithful. And God's been faithful in your life as well. And all through this room, we could stop and we could visit with each family. And in your life, you could say where God has been faithful. Remember the day you got saved. When I was up in Thursday, Brother Savage asked if I would do his mother's funeral, and I drove up, and on the map I looked in, 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 in uh, where I was, and, and I saw this little city called Garden City, not far from Taylor, Michigan. It brought back memories. Garden City at United Baptist Church in Garden City, Michigan, was the, was the place that I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I remember being in, in, in vacation Bible school, sitting right over on this side of the auditorium, and there's classrooms on this side, and I, I remember getting up out of my seat as a six-year-old boy, knowing that I needed to be saved, grew up in a Christian home, grew up in the ministry, but, but it came to the place where I knew, I knew I needed to be saved, and I remember raising my hand and, and, and them taking me off to that side room and telling me how to be saved. I remember bowing there and trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior, and all those years ago, all since that time, God has been faithful. I drove up that street and it was only a few minutes away so I drove up, took the extra time to drive up and I went to the church and I sat in that parking lot of that church and I just thanked God. Thanked God for his faithfulness. Thanked God for saving a boy like me. God's faithful. But something happens when we get our eyes off God. Paul begins to share some things with us. He says this, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you. But that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind 
and then the same judgment. Paul, I'm sure, was reminiscing the year and a half that he spent with the church where they were excited about being saved. It didn't matter what this person was saved from. All that mattered now is that they're saved. It didn't matter what their past was like. All that mattered is they trusted Christ as their Savior. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ that brought them together in unity. Now he's writing this letter to the church. And he says this. I want you to speak all the same thing. I want you to keep your focus on Christ. I want you to remember what Christ has done. I want you to know God is faithful. I want you to think about his faithfulness because if not, divisions could come. He says this, I want you to live in unity. The church ought to live in unity. The church cannot accomplish what God desires for it to accomplish if there's divisions. If there's fractions, if there is anyone that's not on board with what God wants to do. I want you to look with me in 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Just a few pages over in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse number 22, Peter is writing this. To those that are scattered abroad, all of Asia Minor, he writes this. These are to believers. He says, seeing ye have purified your soul in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. He's writing to those believers and he, he's telling them that, that what brought you together, that purified your soul, you obeyed the word of God. What brought you together was the gospel of Jesus Christ. You believed that you were a sinner. You believed that you couldn't save yourself. You believed that God sent his son, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, to come and die on the cross and shed his blood so that you could be redeemed from your sins, so that you could become a child of God. He says, you believe that. Now love one another. Live your life encouraging the believer. Live your life loving the believer. Live your life to, to help one another. Live your life so that in helping others, Christ is seen. You see, what Paul is trying to show the uh, church is, 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 is this, that, that when the church is unified, God receives glory. When the church is on the same page, then it goes out and it accomplishes God's will. You know, there's a lot of buildings around this world that are churches, but it doesn't make them necessarily a true church. A church is not a building. It's the people. It's you and it's me. And Paul, Paul is, is showing us here in 1 Corinthians that first of all, we're to see God's faithfulness, understand who God is, understand that he's faithful. Don't ever forget that, what he's done for you. And then he shows us this, that we ought to live in unity. Go with me to 1 John. If you're in 1 Peter, just a few pages more. 1 John, if you would please, 1 John chapter number 4. 
John writing, he says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for the love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Look down with me in verse number 10. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. You see, we find Peter saying something. We find John in agreement with Peter. And what they're doing is saying, this is how you ought to treat one another. This is how you ought to act. This is how you ought to love. When people come into the house of God, there ought to be people there to help and encourage and to love. All week long, not just on Sunday when people come together, there ought to be uh, those of us that are looking and trying and, 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 and looking to, 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 to help somebody that's of the, the household of faith. I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians with me. Because he says God is faithful. He says a church ought to live in unity. In verse number 11, he says, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are the household of Chloe, when I read that, I thought, all right, so my Chloe's not the only tattletale. <laughs> he said, I'm getting word. What's that word? He says that there's contentions among you. I wonder what Paul thought when he got word from the house of Chloe. Here's Paul, he, he's, he's giving of himself, he's preaching, he stayed there for a, a year and a half, he's, he's, he's giving them the gospel, he's teaching them about God, he's teaching them how to minister to each other, he's teaching them how to walk in the, in the spirit, he's teaching them how to be pleasing the Lord, and, and then after a time later he gets word back, and that word back is this, there's divisions. Some have gotten their mind and their heart off of the things of God, and some have caused divisions. Just to think about how Paul, he preached the gospel, then he instructed them how to live with the power of the gospel, how to live pleasing the Lord, how to live a victorious Christian life, how to live so a church can make an impact in a community, so that a church could see people saved, so that lives were changed, so that an entire city was changed because there was a church there at Corinth. And now there's divisions. Do you know how awful, how awful it is to a community when a community hears of the messiness and the divisions that happen within a church? you know how devastating that is? It's got to be devastating to the lost world where they hear of divisions and corruption and negative things that happen within the church. Because if it isn't different with the so-called Christians, why would they need that? If the attitudes are bad and the fighting is there and jealousy is there and divisions are there, I can have that in the lost world. 
Paul writing to the church here, he's saying it's been told of me by the house of Chloe that there's certain contentions among you. So I begin to read through this scripture. And you know what I see Paul saying? Some say that I'm of, P, uh, of, of, of Paulus. And some, so, or some say I'm of, of Cephas. Some say I'm of Paul. Others say I'm of Christ. And, and in the church of Corinth, Paul taught them. He taught them. In Acts chapter uh, number 18 told us he taught them the things of God. And now there's some in the church saying, I'm of Peter. Or I'm of Cephas. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Paul. I'm of Jesus. It's got to break Paul's heart. Because Paul spent a year and a half teaching him what it was like to be of God. It goes on to say that some say, I'm baptized of this person. And Paul says, I'm, I'm so glad I didn't baptize any of you. Then you can't say that I'm of Paul's baptism. Because some were saying, I'm of Paul's baptism. I'm of Apollos' baptism. He says, I didn't baptize any of you. All I did was preach the gospel. But you know what I find in 1 Corinthians? I find the causes of contentions. You know, if we're going to fix contentions, there has to be what's the cause. You have to dig down deep and figure out what's causing that problem. Do you ever have a problem in your home and you're not quite sure what it was? And you sit down and you say this, I... I know there's a situation, I know there's a problem, I'm not quite sure what it is, but let's figure this out, so what? We can fix it. That's what Paul is doing here. Paul is saying, I, I, I hear of some contentions, I, I hear that there's some things happening, I want to get down to the root of this so that we can figure it out for what reason, so we can fix it. And Paul, Paul begins to show us this, he says, lest any of you, in verse 15, lest any of you say that I have been baptized in mine own name, and I baptize also the household of Stephanus, besides I know not whither I baptize any other. He says this, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, as the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which were saved, it is the power of God. Mark that down, it's the power of God. Verse number 23, but we preach Christ crucified. I want you to write this down. Causes of contentions. First thing I see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is this. When your identity is found in something other than what is eternal, it's a cause of contention. When your identity is found in something other than what is eternal, it's a cause for contention. Here, Paul preached for a year and a half that their identity was in Jesus Christ. I'm found in him. And now Paul is hearing from others that some, some are saying, some are saying, I'm of this or I'm of that. Look with me in, in verse number 13. He asks this question. He says, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? Who saved you? Christ saved you. Who died on the cross? Christ died on the cross. Who shed his blood? Christ shed his blood. Who rose from the dead? Christ rose from the dead. Whose book is it that we read? It's God's book. It's the word of God. It's him that we desire to know of. And he says, then there's some that have come and you've started putting your faith in following something other than truth. 
Your identity is found in who baptized you instead of who saved you. Your identity is found in something that's not eternal. Listen to me, contentions come when we begin to find our identity in something other than Jesus Christ. Secondly, I want you to see this. My time is almost done. When your way becomes greater standard than the word of God, contentions come. When your way becomes the greater standard than the word of God, contentions come. You see, it was Christ that died. Paul said here, but to preach the gospel, that's what I came for. I I came to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I didn't come for any other reason than to teach you truth. I didn't come so that you could say, I'm of Paul. I didn't come so that, 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 uh, uh, that, that, that you could say that I'm of Apollos, or I didn't come so that you could say I'm of Cephas. I came to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some, some are now looking at some things that have nothing to do with the gospel. And that's what you're building your life upon. There are some things that mean more to you than, 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 than the word of God. There are some things that mean more to you than the truth of the word of God. There's some things that you've been taught. There's some things that you learn. There's some things that you're teaching. There's some things that you believe that, that aren't important in relation to eternity. You know, there are a lot of things that there's preferences. You know, there's a lot of things that I do in my home that other people might not do. There's a way that I might discipline my kids that some would say we don't discipline our kids that way. There are some things that we allow to do or may not allow to do. We, we don't allow our kids to, to watch certain TV programs another parent might. We don't let our kids take, take uh, 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 devices that you can hook on Wi-Fi up to their bedrooms and, and, and be alone with them in, in, in their rooms. We don't let them take them up at night. I mean, there's some things that we do. And you'd never hear me get up here and you'd never hear me say, this is right and this is the way you ought to do it. You know why? Because of the preferences in my home. There are certain preferences that we have in the Rand's home that you may or may not have in your home. You know what the reality is? That's okay. That's okay. But what causes divisions is when someone brings those preferences into the house of God and begins to live on a standard or a principle. And that becomes greater than what the Word of God is. That causes contentions. That causes problems within the church. That causes the visions. When, when one's way becomes greater, the greater standard, then what happens when someone says that somebody else is right or wrong by what they do or they don't do? Not based upon the word of God, but based upon what they think. You know what happens? When a church gets into contentions, it loses its joy. You ever get a time in your marriage where it just seems like it's just fight after fight after fight? You might even think to yourself, you might not say it out loud, but you think to yourself, I remember back when we first were dating, I was so happy to see you and you were so happy to see me and boy, it didn't matter what we did, it was fun. And now just thinking about doing something, 
seems like hard work. You lose your joy. When contention comes into a marriage, when contention comes into a relationship, when contention comes into a church, you lose your joy. When you lose your joy, you begin to lose your purpose. Paul said this, the church is responsible for preaching Jesus Christ. Do you know what some churches do? Everything but that. And a lot of times it's because contentions. I want you to see in verse number 23, the Bible says this, but we preach Christ crucified under the Jews, a stumbling block, under the Greeks' foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because of the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Look at that again, because the foolishness of God is wiser. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. Listen, we got to stop thinking we know everything. we got to stop thinking our way is right and get back to the basics. It's about God. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about submitting ourselves to him. Lastly, I would say this, get back to the basics. You've lost joy. You've, you've got contentions. You, you, you look at life or you look at uh, uh, your responsibility and boy, I've, I've lost what I once had. How do I get it back? Go back to the basics and remember this, that God's strength is what's needed. God's power is what's needed. God's wisdom is what's needed. I got to stop thinking my way is the best way and get back to knowing this. It's God's way for my life. It's God's way for my marriage. It's God's way for my church. When Paul came, there was great persecution, but there was great joy. When Paul came, people got stopped thinking on their own and started thinking about Christ and, and started sharing Christ with a, a community in Corinth, and it changed this world. Matter of fact, he said this, everyone around heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, now, now there's contentions. You've stopped focusing on the gospel and started using your own wisdom. You stopped focusing on God and you started making up your own rules. You stopped realizing it was about Christ and him, and you started saying, I'm of this or I'm of that, and divisions came. And Paul said this, we've got to get our mind, we've got to get our heart, we've got to get ourselves back on focusing on the gospel. We preach Christ, that's what we're known for. He says, let's not be known for who baptized me. Let's be known for preaching Christ. Let's not be known for, for someone that uses their own wisdom. Let's be known for, for, for trusting in God. Let's, let, let's not be known for someone that acts in their own strength. Let's be known for acting in the strength of God. Let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to the gospel. Because it's the power of the gospel that changes lives. Maybe you're here today and you've lost your joy. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've lost your zeal. 
No, I don't find it in my home anymore. I don't find it in my marriage anymore. I don't find it in my church anymore. I just feel like there's contention all around. Get back to the gospel. Get back to where it all started. Get back to the place where you say that my life is a life to preach the gospel. It's about Christ and Christ crucified, and that's what my life's about. It's not about finding my identity in something else. It's about finding my identity in Christ. It's not about becoming my standard, becoming greater than what the gospel says. It's about just yielding myself and submitting myself to the word of God. And at that point, Christian, and only then at that point can that joy come back. Satan will do everything he can to throw contentions in your life. Just think about it. Those that are married in this room, Satan's going to do everything he can to cause contention in your home to get you to focus on everything other than Christ. Because you know what happens when contentions are in a home? This book doesn't become important. When's the last time you prayed together with your spouse? When's the last time you talked about the gospel and the power it has? When's the last time you together were soul winning and sharing the gospel with another couple or with someone you came in contact with? No, what happens is this. When contention comes, we forget about what our job is. And we concentrate on contentions. And listen, when you concentrate on contention, someone wins and someone loses. And then there's no unity. Paul is getting the church to come to the place where he says this, live in unity. Don't allow the contentions to come. They come. They come when your identity is found in someone other than something eternal, which is Jesus Christ. They come when your way becomes a greater standard than the Word of God.